Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Investec Consumer Podcast. I'm Kate Calvert, Head of Retail Research, and I have Nicola Mallard with us, um, our top-ranked consumer staples analyst. Today, we are covering Brexit and what consumer companies are watching out for. Brexit isn't a word we've heard much of lately. The thorny, unresolved issue of what the UK's future relationship with the EU will look like after December the 31st this year is back in the news. As we have just passed an important date in the calendar, July the 1st, we thought it was worth revisiting some of the issues at stake for the wider consumer space. Nicola, perhaps you can start by explaining the significance of the 1st of July. Thanks, Kate. Uh, Yes, this was a date that we would have all been watching closely had the coronavirus not swamped the news and political agendas. As we know, we leave uh, the EU after our transition period ends on December the 31st with or without a deal. There have been four rounds of negotiations so far, but there's undoubtedly been some loss of focus due to the pandemic. However, July the 1st was the date by which the UK was able to ask for an extension to the transition period. The PM Boris Johnson has always indicated this was not an option in his mind, and indeed that option has now gone. So if a deal cannot be agreed, what are the risks to the food supply chain? We produce only around 60% of the food we consume in the UK with the balance imported. Now, within this, there are clearly some foods we can't produce in the UK, but even for indigenous foods, we're only around 76% self-sufficient. Our biggest trading partner for food is the EU. It takes around 60% of our £22 billion of food exports, and it's the source of a similar percentage of our £42 billion of food imports. A no deal would result in a number of challenges from an import and export perspective. We would likely see tariffs imposed by the EU, but there could also be practical issues such as logistics delays at borders, which could result in food shortages, something we'd all like to avoid having seen that with the coronavirus. From an import perspective in May, the government unveiled its Brexit global tariff regime, and generally this aimed to reduce and simplify tariffs in a number of areas, to help try and limit the impact of imported inflation. So for £30 billion of imported goods, it removed tariffs. However, for a number of food products, tariffs would apply in order to offer some degree of protection to key industries such as agriculture. This tariff could mean food is more expensive in the future. So a trade deal would be better than no deal? In theory, yes, if it's with trading partners such as the EU, where food standards are comparable. But there are concerns in the food industry that in its eagerness to secure trade deals with some nations, the government might actually open up the UK to products which do not currently meet UK standards. The most commonly mentioned example that we've all heard of is chlorine washed chickens from the US. But generally, the UK has some of the highest welfare standards in the world. And as a result, though, it also has higher costs of production. So imports from other nations who do not operate to our standards could, in theory, undercut UK producers. So clearly there are opposing pressures here, the need to keep food affordable for the wider public, but also the need to maintain food safety and welfare standards and some self-sufficiency in the UK as well. The next few months will be critical, um, given the economic backlash for the UK and Europe from coronavirus, There will, we hope, be an incentive to agree a deal with the UK to avoid avoid any other unnecessary chaos. 
What are the stumbling blocks to getting a deal done? I mean, where are the biggest differences, as Boris Johnson has said he wants to get a deal done in July? Well, there are four big sticking points as far as the EU are concerned. Um, And the biggest one probably is fisheries. Uh, The UK took back control of its waters um, as a result of our Brexit. So that effectively prevents EU countries access from fishing in, in UK waters. So that's the biggest one, probably. Um, achieving a level playing field. They also want the UK to agree to keep to UK EU standards, um, protecting people's rights and also the governance of the future relationship. A deal in July feels optimistic. Um, to us. The next critical date will be October the 31st. This was stated by Michel Barnier as a final deadline to agree a deal and still be able to ratify it before December the 31st. So turning the tables, Kate, um, from a retail sector, what do you see as the principal challenges posed by Brexit? Um, I think Brexit will probably actually be a relative breeze compared to dealing with COVID over the last three months. I see three main challenges for retail. The first are the direct or operational risks. These are the tariff costs and the extra admin costs of dealing with the increased red tape, which invariably will come. The second are the more indirect risks, those beyond the retailer's control. So currency, FX rates and the impact on sourcing costs is the main one. The euro is more of an issue for food retailers The US dollar is key for non-food retailers, as most of their product is sourced from Asia. For example, the devaluation of sterling versus the US dollar since the Brexit referendum of 20% has already been a major inflationary headache for the industry. The other consideration is also the impact on supply chain from potential queues at ports and processing import-exports. Finally, the potential impact on consumer sentiment and demand We're already heading into a challenging macro environment with COVID, and I don't see Brexit as an incremental negative here. So assuming a no deal as the worst case scenario, the default tariff structure for goods coming into the UK is the UK global tariff proposal, as you know. The most affected retailers are likely to be food and car retailers, given this is where tariffs are highest. This would have implications for consumer price inflation, Retailers are highly unlikely to be able to absorb higher sourcing costs and will have to pass on the higher tariff costs to the consumer. Operationally, food could also potentially be most impacted because of the just-in-time nature of the supply chain with your companies, Nicola, and the bias to Europe from sourcing, as you've already mentioned. Most non-food retailers source the vast majority of their goods from Asia, so this is far less of an issue. Given where the industry is today with COVID, it is will clearly be easier to work with a deal rather than a non-deal. Most retailers will be watching FX very closely. Uh, This probably has the biggest implication for profits. So, Nicola, I suspect the pandemic-induced economic uncertainty currently faced globally is likely to focus minds on both sides and get something over the line, which will diminish the economic impact overall. Definitely agree with you there, Kate, and at least everyone has had four years to get ready for this event, unlike COVID. Thanks for joining us on this podcast and we'll catch up soon.